Hey, podcast fans, it's Lainey from Crimes of Passion. Did you know I host another podcast? It's called True Crime Cases with Lainey, and it takes a deeper look at the life and crimes of some of the most evil minds in history. If you enjoy the in-depth research and storytelling of Crimes of Passion, you'll love True Crime Cases with Lainey. Hey, we may even have a special guest stop by from time to time. Follow True Crime Cases with Lainey wherever you get your podcasts. Due to the graphic nature of these crimes, listener discretion is advised. This episode includes discussions of violence and murder. We advise caution for children under 13. On a hot summer night in late August 2015, Brenda Delgado stood in her kitchen. She grasped the counter to keep her knees from buckling underneath her. She'd just received a heartbreaking text message from her ex-boyfriend, the love of her life, Ricky Paniagua. He said he was moving 1,700 miles away to California. Brenda understood that they weren't together at the moment, but she'd always seen the split as temporary. If he left for California, how could she win him back? Especially because she assumed his new girlfriend, Kendra, was going with him. Brenda knew she'd have to deal with Kendra eventually, and now seemed as good a time as any to put her plan into motion. Before she lost Ricky for good. I'm Lainey Hobbs, and this is Crimes of Passion, a Spotify original from Parcast. In the legal definition, a crime of passion is a violent crime that occurs in the throes of extreme emotion, leaving no time to reflect on the consequences. But in this show, we explore how passionate relationships sometimes lead us to criminal activity. How does a husband and wife become killer and victim, or killer and co-conspirator? If there's a thin line between love and hate, what manipulates our relationships into deadly results? You can find episodes of Crimes of Passion and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This time, we'll meet Brenda Delgado. After her boyfriend, Ricky Paniagua, breaks her heart, Brenda struggles to accept her new reality. As she watches Ricky move on with someone else, she develops an unhealthy obsession with the couple. Next time, Brenda's jealousy turns deadly. When one of her accomplices cracks under police pressure, Brenda leads authorities on an international goose chase, but she quickly finds out she can't run forever. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. Hear that? It's the sound of someone whacking the ground with a rake. Specifically, they're beating around the bush which we've done enough of in this ad too, so let's get right to it. The new Moneymaker scratch-off from the Ohio Lottery doesn't beat around the bush. Money Maker. Play the game and you could win money, up to $2 million. With more than $88 million in prizes, ranging from $50 to $500, Moneymaker cuts right to the cash. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs. Drugs like Ozempic. They're changing bodies. And all of a sudden, just the weight starts falling off. Fortunes. It just got too expensive. They're just bank breakers. And industries. There was a lot of excitement. There was a lot of skepticism. 
The impact of these drugs from business to health is just beginning. From the journal, Trillion Dollar Shot. Find it in the journal feed wherever you get your podcasts. As the evening sun filtered through the half-open curtains, 29-year-old Brenda Delgado splayed out on her bed like a teenage girl. She barely paid attention to the reality show on TV. Her eyes stayed glued to her phone. She scrolled past photo after photo of men she'd never date. There was always a guy holding a giant fish, someone flexing shirtless on the beach, one sprawled out on the couch next to a dog. None of them intrigued her. Some of Brenda's friends thought that she was being too picky, but she didn't care. She knew what she wanted and wasn't willing to budge. Plus, with so many options out there to choose from, why should she settle? Brenda's not alone in that thought process. Ever since the rise of dating apps like Tinder, Hinge, and Bumble, online matchmaking services have all but replaced traditional methods of meeting partners. As a result, dating pools have never been larger. But more options hasn't necessarily led to more relationships. In fact, these days, more people are choosing to stay single. According to a study in social psychological and personality science, with so many fish in the sea, some daters become paralyzed into inaction. Others experience burnout. Still, others dole out rejections in anticipation of being rejected or hurt. But as Brenda navigated this new digital landscape, she wanted to find the right partner. And just as she was about to give up, one profile caught her attention. His name was Ricardo Ricky Paniagua. According to his account, he was 36, a dermatologist and chivalrous. Brenda's stomach flip-flopped as she scanned his photos he had thick, dark hair and a smile that started in his eyes and filled his entire face. Something about him, more than his good looks, struck Brenda. She held her breath and swiped right. They matched. From there, it's likely that Ricky and Brenda texted back and forth about the usual first conversation topics. Where they were from, what they did, their favorite foods. Light, casual, but the conversation flowed so effortlessly, it turned flirty fast. They exchanged numbers and made plans to meet. For their first date, Ricky bought them concert tickets to see Jennifer Lopez at the American Airlines Center. The night swept Brenda off her feet, and by most accounts, it seems like Ricky felt similarly. And why wouldn't he? They shared a lot of the same values. Brenda's family immigrated and moved to Dallas from Mexico when she was little. They settled in a modest home in a low-income neighborhood. Together, they faced the challenges of adjusting to a new city and a new country. Always ambitious, Brenda excelled in school. From a young age, she'd set her sights on going to medical school. But as she got older, it seemed less feasible. Her family couldn't afford tuition. So she opted for the next best thing, after high school, she became a dental assistant. She moved out of her parents' place to live with a friend, but she hadn't given up on her dreams. She whitened teeth on the side, biding her time until she could afford dentistry school. Ricky also rose above humble beginnings. He grew up in a trailer park in Northern California. Like Brenda, he dreamed of becoming a doctor. 
After college, his life moved fast. He enrolled in medical school and married his first wife. His residency program then pulled him away to Dallas. They tried long distance, but the relationship didn't last. Going through a divorce, thousands of miles away from family and friends, left Ricky feeling emotionally drained and alone. As Brenda and Ricky talked, the separation was still fresh, but he said he felt ready for a new relationship. A few weeks later, they were dating and spending most of their free time together. Brenda was smitten. She couldn't find any flaws in Ricky. He always encouraged her to take on new opportunities, supported her in her dreams. With him, she felt like anything she wanted was within reach. Three months after their first date in November 2012, Brenda's friend and roommate politely asked her to move out. She and her husband needed extra space for their growing family, so she asked Ricky if she could move in with him. Ricky decided to give it a shot. Within a year of meeting, Brenda and Ricky started settling into a comfortable routine. Work, dinner, romantic walks at sunset. They spent time with Brenda's family, her parents and four brothers. They lived close by. Brenda wanted to be closer with Ricky's family, but they were out in California. And at times, it seemed like Ricky intentionally kept them out of reach. Brenda didn't know why. In April 2013, for Ricky's birthday, Brenda posted a sappy message on her personal Facebook page, gushing about how much she loved him. Before he came along, she worried she'd never find the right man. But Ricky checked every box. By June, Brenda's body started going through some changes. Come to find out, she was pregnant. Starting a family felt like an exciting prospect, but it also felt sudden. Brenda and Ricky weren't planning for a kid, and as in love as they were, they decided they weren't ready. Not yet. Brenda knew not going through with the pregnancy was the right decision, but that didn't make it easier. As she refocused on her career, she found herself daydreaming about motherhood, starting a new life with Ricky, giving their child a life their parents could only imagine. Come fall with Ricky by her side, cheering her on, she enrolled in dental hygiene school. It wasn't full-on dentistry, but it was a big step up. That was quickly followed by another milestone. In early 2014, Ricky handed Brenda a small box. She gingerly held it and looked up at him, her heart pounding. There was only one thing this could mean. She was right. It was a ring. Just not the kind she expected. It represented a promise, not an engagement. At this time, Ricky envisioned a future with Brenda, but it seems he wasn't quite ready to take the leap. It seems this was a symbol of his commitment. It's likely Brenda brushed away whatever disappointment she might have felt and thanked him. A proposal would probably come sooner or later. It had to. They'd been together for two years. They lived together. If all Ricky needed was time, she could wait. But only a few months later, Ricky ended things. After everything they'd been through, Brenda needed to move out. The decision must have felt like it came out of nowhere. 
because Brenda packed her things and left, but she wasn't finished. Coming up, Brenda fights to stay together. Now, back to the story. In July 2014, Brenda Delgado's boyfriend, Ricky Paniagua, pulled the rug out from underneath her. He ended their two-year relationship seemingly without warning, leaving her heartbroken and temporarily without a home. Feeling shattered and in shock, Brenda scrambled to pick up the pieces of her life. She moved into a one-bedroom apartment and spiraled into sadness. After a few weeks, she stopped showing up to classes, only to drop out of her dental program entirely. She barely spoke to friends and family. She preferred to be alone. We don't know how she spent her time alone, but I can imagine her sitting on her couch, scrolling through the camera roll on her phone, stopping at old photos of her and Ricky smiling, wondering, what happened? Why throw away such a good thing? If you've ever gone through a bad breakup, maybe you've been there too. It can be emotionally taxing, letting a part of your life go that you thought would be there forever. But after a while, it seemed like Brenda's mindset shifted, like she moved past her grief and decided to reinvest in herself. If Ricky lost sight of what they had, maybe it was her job to remind him. About a month after the breakup, Brenda re-enrolled in school and started studying hard to make up for lost time. She started going out with friends again, wearing makeup, indulging in activities that presumably made her feel like herself. By September, she even signed up for a salsa class. Brenda stood at the back of the studio after one session, chatting with the other students. She looked toward the door as it creaked open. She locked eyes with the man who walked in. It was Ricky. Throughout class, everyone rotated partners until Brenda and Ricky found themselves dancing together. The connection was still there. They twirled across the floor, electricity coursing between them. After class, Ricky texted Brenda. He said it was nice to see her. He hadn't realized how much he'd missed her warmth, her presence, her smile. He asked if maybe she wanted to practice together sometime. Brenda texted back, Yes, she would love that. These practice sessions became routine. Salsa brought them back together. Brenda and Ricky laughed as they left-turned and right-turned, made mistakes. It felt nice. Ricky started to wonder if he'd made a mistake breaking up with Brenda. Within a few weeks, they agreed to give the relationship another shot. Careful not to rush into things, they chose to live separately. But Ricky showed signs of commitment, like he added Brenda to a cell phone plan. To family and friends, it appeared that they were both in it for the long haul. After a few months, Brenda's father even took Ricky aside and asked him what his plans were for the future. Ricky assured him that he had only good intentions. But the truth was, whatever doubts Ricky had about his future with Brenda hadn't disappeared. He loved Brenda and cared for her deeply, but there was something missing about her. He couldn't put his finger on it. He'd messed up his love life once and he wasn't willing to do it again. So in February, 2015, Ricky ended the relationship 
for a second time. And again, Brenda was shocked. She didn't understand. She felt like she'd been the perfect girlfriend, kind, caring, supportive. What more could she have done? Though he didn't see a future together, Ricky said he still wanted Brenda in his life. They agreed to stay friends, and they did. They texted and talked on the phone every once in a while, and they bumped into each other around the city fairly frequently. They had the same jogging schedule, so they saw each other weekly on the same tree-lined trail around the same time. Their interactions were short, but sweet. They'd stop and hug, say a quick hello, then carry on with their days. But for Ricky, it really felt like fate kept putting them in rooms together. One time, Ricky was on a date at Panera Bread when Brenda walked in. Perhaps it felt awkward at first, but they appeared to have laughed about the chance encounter and their mutual connections. Ricky enjoyed his friendship with Brenda. They didn't have to be stereotypical exes because there was no bad blood between them. Brenda seemed to be doing great without him. But appearances can be deceiving. Fate had nothing to do with these encounters. Brenda knew exactly where Ricky would be and when. When they first started dating, she hacked into his computer and found his email and iCloud passwords without him knowing. So, she had a secret gateway to his private life. She could access his calendar, notes, emails, you name it. Brenda even found an app that allowed her to track the location of Ricky's phone. And she did, obsessively. All of their chance encounters had been staged, including the run-in at the salsa studio that rekindled their relationship the second time. Now, Brenda's behavior is in line with what some experts call a rejected stalker. Someone who, after a relationship ends, doesn't let go and tries anything in their power to win their partner back. Brenda's age also fits the profile of most female stalkers. They're usually single in their mid-30s and target people they know. After both breakups, Brenda made sure she was never far from his thoughts, even as Ricky tried to move on. Then, in June 2015, Ricky sent an email explicitly saying he had moved on. On the surface, the message was simple. Ricky said he had a new girlfriend. He was happy. Things were going well. But the words filled Brenda with dread and anxiety. She scrambled to log into Ricky's online accounts until she found a name for his new girlfriend, Kendra Hatcher. She typed the name into Google. Kendra was 35 years old and stunning, with long brown hair and green eyes. The kind of girl who's used to people doing double takes. According to the internet, she recently moved to Dallas's trendiest neighborhood. She seemed successful, well-dressed, confident. Plus, on top of everything else, she was a pediatric dentist. Kendra had Brenda's dream job. And now, she had her dream man. Hands shaking, Brenda typed a quick reply to Ricky's email. She said she was happy for him and hoped they could still be friends. It was a filler response. She didn't mean a word of it. It seemed like the more Brenda learned about Kendra, the more paranoid she became. 
like Kendra's positive qualities were personal attacks or direct assaults on her future. Based on reported conversations with friends, it bothered her that Kendra might have been such a good fit for Ricky. They had a lot in common. They both worked in similar fields and had gone through a divorce. Brenda made little effort to conceal her obsession with the couple. She asked friends if Ricky looked happier with Kendra than he did with her, if they thought Kendra was better for him. After a while, Brenda's friends became concerned. They suggested she get back out there and start dating again. One friend even had the perfect guy in mind for her. His name was Roberto. She reluctantly decided to give him a shot. Roberto picked Brenda up for dinner. He tried his best to make conversation, but during the meal, Brenda kept talking about her ex and his new partner. Afterwards, she asked Roberto to drive her to an address in Gables Park 17, Dallas's trendiest neighborhood. When they arrived though, Brenda stayed in the car, peering out the window, as if she was waiting for someone, which was exactly what she was doing. If Roberto had looked at Brenda's phone, he would have found screenshots of Ricky and Kendra's social media accounts, photos of the happy couple on trips together, out to dinner, on a hike. Without them knowing, Brenda had watched Ricky and Kendra's exchanges become more intimate until it appears something inside her snapped. Coming up, Brenda's stalking takes a deadly turn. Now, back to the story. By August 2015, Ricky Paniagua was ready to take the next step with his girlfriend, Kendra Hatcher. They'd been dating a few months, and for the first time since his divorce, the thought of marriage didn't terrify him. In fact, he couldn't imagine a future that didn't include Kendra. She felt the same way. So they started to discuss a wedding fund to raise money for a ceremony and celebration. Brenda bitterly watched Ricky and Kendra's relationship blossom from behind her phone screen. In her mind, Kendra was the only obstacle between her and a forever life with Ricky. If she removed that obstacle, nothing would be standing in their way. One evening, Brenda went out for drinks with her cousin, Moses Martinez. She sat at the table, cradling her cocktail. In a low tone, she said she had a proposal for him. She'd pay his child support or buy him a new car, if he did her a favor. Brenda said she had a metal bat in the backseat of her car. She wanted Moses to go to Kendra's house and threaten her with it, tell her to stay away from Ricky. Moses chuckled. He figured it must be the tequila talking, but Brenda wasn't kidding. If Moses wasn't willing to help, she'd look elsewhere for someone who would. Around this time, Brenda invited an old friend and co-worker to live with her, a woman named Jennifer Escobar. But within a week of moving in, Jennifer became concerned about Brenda's mental well-being. She complained about Ricky and Kendra non-stop, often to the point of tears. At one point, Brenda offered to buy Jennifer drugs, a car, anything she wanted if she helped her out. She said she wanted Jennifer to use a baseball bat to knock Ricky into a coma. To stab Kendra or beat her to death, she wasn't sure yet. 
Jennifer couldn't listen to her friend anymore. She hadn't even finished unpacking when she decided to leave. But Brenda just kept looking for someone, anyone willing to help. She remembered one of Jennifer's friends who'd come by to visit, Crystal Cortez, a 23-year-old single mom who lived in one of Dallas's low-income neighborhoods. Crystal had seemed so impressed with Brenda's life. It's likely she could tell Crystal wanted a better life, so she preyed on that desire. She started slowly. She reached out to Crystal. The two started hanging out more often. Brenda would take her to eat let her stay over at her apartment. In an interview with Texas Monthly journalist Skip Hollinsworth, Crystal noted that the whole time, Brenda fed her lies about Ricky and Kendra. According to Hollinsworth, Brenda painted Kendra as a homewrecker who stole the love of her life. Crystal listened sympathetically. She felt sorry for Brenda. As a new friend, Brenda had been so kind and generous without asking anything in return. But soon enough... That changed. At some point, Brenda pitches the idea of killing Kendra to Crystal, saying she would give her $500 if she helped. It certainly wasn't something Crystal had considered before, but she looked around at Brenda's lifestyle, thought about the type of opportunity she wanted for her son. $500 couldn't get her much, some food and clothes, a new toy, but it was more than she had. She agreed. From that point on, they met up every day to plan Kendra's death. They discussed different methods of murder, including injecting her with heroin, sedatives, and shooting her with a gun. At some point, Brenda and Crystal started following Kendra around to learn her routine, and their surveillance continued well into the night, thanks to a pair of night vision binoculars. But Brenda didn't plan for either one of them to actually get their hands dirty. Brenda wanted to find a hitman. According to Crystal's testimony, Brenda assumed she would know someone willing to kill because Crystal came from a, quote, run-down neighborhood. If Brenda registered how risky and ridiculous this plan was, she didn't show it. She and Crystal traveled around, stopping random men in the streets asking if they'd be willing to murder someone. Unsurprisingly, it didn't work. After several rejections, Crystal suggested they stop by her mom's place. When they arrived, there were two men hanging out inside. One caught Brenda's eye. He was covered in tattoos. On his back, he had an image of an AK-47 surrounded by bullet holes. The text above it read, One Man Army. His name was Christopher Love. He was a 31-year-old small-time drug dealer with a criminal record, and maybe the kind of person Brenda was looking for. They spoke later at Christopher's place. Brenda lied and told him she had connections to a drug cartel. She said if he helped kill Kendra, she'd pay him around $3,000 in drugs and cash. He accepted the terms. He already had a gun, a 40 caliber Smith & Wesson pistol. Everything was falling into place. Oblivious to Brenda's scheme, Kendra and Ricky had spent part of their summer with Ricky's family in California, riding bikes and eating ice cream by the ocean. They planned to head to Cancun after Labor Day, one last hurrah before the seasons changed. Then they'd go spend time with Kendra's family. 
Brenda knew about everything. She pored over every picture they posted, seething with jealousy, and still found time to finish school. As finals rolled around, Brenda got a text from Ricky wishing her luck on her exams. He also told her some news. He landed a job in Sacramento. He'd be moving there in October. The news must have crushed her, but if it did, she didn't let her loved ones see. By the end of August, Brenda graduated from her dental hygiene program. It was a momentous day. She smiled for photos with friends and family, a graduation cap sitting precariously on her head. According to her family, she seemed happy. Her brother would later tell Skip Hollinsworth, she was looking to the future. Of course, Brenda's family didn't know what was going on in her head or that in her ideal future, a complete stranger would be dead. Thanks again for tuning into Crimes of Passion. We'll be back next week with part two. After Brenda does the unthinkable, she flees to Mexico, desperate to start a new life. But even on the run, she can't erase the past. For more information on Brenda Delgado, we found Texas Monthly's The Doctor, The Dentist, and The Killer by Skip Hollinsworth extremely helpful to our research. You can find more episodes of Crimes of Passion and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll see you next time when true love meets true crime. Crimes of Passion is a Spotify original from Parcast, executive produced by Max Cutler. Our head of programming is Julian Boirot. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash with Nick Johnson as our head of production and quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ali Wicker is our supervising editor and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Crimes of Passion was written by Sara Hussein, edited by Natalie Pertzowski and Connor Sampson, fact-checked by Cheyenne Lopez, researched by Mickey Taylor and Chelsea Wood, produced by Joshua Kern, and sound designed by Scott Stronick. I'm your host, Lainey Hobbs. Hey, Parcast fans, it's Lainey from Crimes of Passion. Can't get enough true crime? Check out my podcast, True Crime Cases with Lainey. I'm diving deep into the stories you've never heard and deeper into those you may be familiar with. I hope you'll join me. Follow True Crime Cases with Lainey wherever you get your podcasts.